listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good show for you today. We're going to go over that Western Conference final game last night. Nuggets and Lakers. The Nuggets have advanced to the NBA Finals and probably going to be meeting, well, they are going to be meeting Miami Heat. It's just a matter of if the Heat end their series tonight. But regardless, the finals don't start till next Thursday because it looks like we're going to have two sweeps in the Eastern and Western Conference Finals. There's not going to be a, they're going to get eight days off, seven days off, well, eight days for the Nuggets and seven days for the Heat, assuming they win tonight. So we'll get into all that and we're going to talk uh, about the Celtics. I've got a baseball stat for you and the NFL is introducing more flex scheduling for the 2023 season. Talk more about that. We'll get to all that momentarily. All right, let's get started. Last night, the Lakers jump out to a 15-point halftime lead because LeBron James put up the most points he ever has in a half of basketball, playoff basketball, 31 points in the first half, and the Lakers lead 73-58 at halftime over the Nuggets. And by the end of the third quarter, they were down five because they got outscored by 20, 36-16 in the third. They tie it up late in the game, and for the third time in four games, this was a one-possession game with under a minute to go. The Nuggets get a bucket from Nikola Jokic. The Lakers get a missed shot from LeBron, and with four seconds left in the game, inbounding the ball at half court, down two. I thought down three games to none, the Lakers would just say, look, we're going to hit it. We're going to shoot a three-pointer here. If we hit it, we're going to game five. If we don't, fine, season's over. Because, and I know there's that saying, you go for the tie at home and win on the road. But in a 3-0 series that you're down, I just assumed, why would they want to tie it and go to overtime? I just assumed they would be like, hey, you know, if this was if this series was two games to one that they were down, then I could totally see them tying it and wanting to win this in overtime. But down three games to none, was kind of surprised the Lakers didn't go for three, uh, a three-pointer, and just, hey, either, you know, feast or famine. We're either going to hit it and win the game at the buzzer, or we're going to miss, and the series is going to be over. But LeBron takes it to the hoop. Guys collapse. He gets a shot blocked by Aaron Gordon, and that is the ball game. Nuggets win it 113-111. They're going to the NBA Finals, and like I said, three of the four games, incredibly close. But Denver just executed down the stretch. Nikola Jokic is just as much as I, you know, praise LeBron. I, what Nikola Jokic is doing, he tied Wilt Chamberlain yesterday for the most triple doubles in the playoffs ever in a whole in a playoff series or in a, in a playoff season. And first time the Nuggets ever in the NBA Finals. So congratulations to them. But eighth triple-double of the playoffs by Nikola Jokic. That actually broke Wilt Chamberlain's record for single for triple-doubles in a single postseason. So he's got the record, and he's got at least four games left, and this guy basically averages a triple-double. So he's probably going to have – I got to believe in the next series he's going to get at least three or four more triple-doubles. He's going to have 12 triple-doubles in one postseason. This is – Absolutely ridiculous. 30 points, 14 rebounds, 13 assists last night. And look, I understand 
that the MVP is a regular season award. But holy shit, Joel Embiid better be thankful that it's a regular season award because if it was voted on after the postseason, Jokic is looking at three MVPs in a row. He should have won it during the regular season. I'm not saying Embiid didn't deserve it, but I know the reason Embiid got it over Jokic is because he was close enough and the writers didn't want to give it to Jokic to have him win it three years in a row because it put him in a class that they don't feel he's belonged in. And he belongs in. And it's just... We've never seen a guy like Nikola Jokic ever in NBA history. We've never seen somebody do what he does at his height. This guy is a center, and he brings the ball up the court. The whole offense runs through him. You look at advanced statistics in the NBA. Nikola Jokic literally touches the ball per game, per season, hundreds of times more than the guy behind him. That's number two. I don't know what the exact number is, but if you look at touches per game, Nikola Jokic is so far ahead of who is number two, it's unbelievable. And he's a seven-foot-one white dude that literally dominates the NBA. Sat out three minutes last night. Three minutes he didn't play. Played 45 minutes on the game. 11 of 24 from the field. Three of six from three-point range. Five of six from the line. 14 rebounds. 13 assists. A guy is just, he is a juggernaut out there. And yet again, the Lakers were right there. All their starters played well. They made two starting lineup changes, which maybe was a, a game or two too late. But they put Hachimura in the starting lineup. They put Dennis Schroeder in the starting lineup and moved D'Angelo Russell and Jared Vanderbilt to the bench. And <clears throat> all five starters for the Lakers scored in double figures. Anthony Davis didn't have a great game, only 6 of 15 from the field. 21 points, 14 boards. LeBron, as we know, unbelievable first half, only had nine points in the second half. 40 points, 10 rebounds, nine assists. I think that's the third game this series that LeBron was one – either one rebound or one assist away from a triple-double. Dennis Schroeder had 13 points, hit three three three-pointers. Austin Reeves, solid with 17 points. Rui had 10 points. I mean, the Lakers were right there in three of the four games. And the other game, like I said, that they lost, they just got basically outscored a little bit, excuse me, a little bit earlier. They were up 94-93 with seven minutes left in game two in game three on Saturday. And then Denver went on a 13-0 run, and that was pretty much all she wrote. So three of the four games, they were down by three or less with under a minute to go. And the other game, they had a one-point lead with seven minutes left and then gave up a 13-0 run. So what do you do if you're the Lakers moving forward? Well, you got to consider the season a success. Because with 11 games left in the season, you were out of the playoff picture and you were three games under 500. And then you won nine of your last 11 games. You finished nine and two. You beat the number two seed in the Memphis Grizzlies. And in the second round, you beat the Golden State Warriors. And then you played the Denver Nuggets competitively for all four games. So what do the Lakers do going forward? What do they need? Rumors already going crazy. He was at the game last night, sitting courtside, that the Lakers are going to get Kyrie Irving. 
I don't know if that's the answer for them. I wouldn't if I were them, and I'm not saying that because I'm a Mavericks fan and I want the Mavericks to keep him because I don't even want the Mavericks to have him. I just I think he's he's too much of a headache. He's too much of a head case. He's not a great teammate. He's burned every bridge in every team he's ever left. So I don't think he's the answer for the Lakers. The Lakers' first two priorities in the offseason, which seem to be are going to happen based on everything I've read, they've got to re-sign Rui Hachimura and Austin Reeves. And I think a starting five of D'Angelo Russell, well, because D'Angelo Russell played so poorly in the playoffs, two weeks ago they were like, wow, what a great pickup. Now I think D'Angelo Russell might be gone. But you get some sort of point guard. Hell, Dennis Schroeder played great for them in the postseason. Guy plays his ass off. I love him as a starter. I'm fine with him. If you throw out a starting five next year of Schroeder, Austin Reeves, Rui Hachimura, Davis, and LeBron, that's a good starting five. What they need to do is improve their bench. Is Lonnie Walker someone that you will put in your eight-man, nine-man rotation? I, I don't know. I don't know if he's good enough. But all these other guys, the, you know, Malik Beasley, Mo Bamba, Troy Brown Jr., Wenyan Gabriel, Jared Vanderbilt, I don't know. Uh, that's their bench. I don't think that's a good enough bench. That's where they're going to need to improve in the offseason. If they re-sign Hachimura and Reeves and keep Dennis Schroeder, they just have to work on their bench. Now, LeBron did say something very cryptic at the end of his um, uh, press conference last night. Everybody's reporting it now. LeBron is considering retirement. He says he is unsure if he'll be with the team when 2023-24 season starts in the fall and retirement is under consideration. The, he um, he was asked, when you say you got to think about stuff, what thread should we be pulling on that? And he said, if I want to continue to play. And they said, as in next year? And he said, yeah. And they said, you would walk away? And he said, I got to think about it. This could be an in-the-moment thing. It could be, I just got swept. I'm disappointed. I don't want to think about basketball right now. So this is what I'm going to say. I know this season was physically demanding on LeBron. <clears throat> As we've talked about, the guy's played 20 seasons in the NBA. He's played over 60,000 minutes. He's never, nobody's played more than him. If you add up all of his playoff minutes, I think that's equivalent to another four and a half seasons of basketball or the playoff games, not minutes. So he's played 20 seasons, meaning 20 82-game seasons. Then you can add on another four and a half because that's how many playoff games he's appeared in. I want to say it's like 350-something. Something ridiculous like that. So, you know... <laughs> Looks like 281 playoff games. So that's roughly three and a half seasons extra that he's played. If obviously 82 games is a full season. <laughs> that's just that's just stupid. So while he's played 20 seasons in the NBA, he's actually played 23 and a half seasons. That's nuts. But 
I don't know. This, like I said, it, this seems like it's kind of an in-the-moment thing for LeBron. I He's talked for the longest time about, I'm not retiring until I get to play with my son, Bronny, who's going to USC next year. So he'd have to wait. He'd have to play at least two more years to play with Bronny. But I know physically, we all know, physically this season took a toll on him because of his foot injury. So it's very possible he might just get surgery in the offseason on his foot, not be ready for the start of the season, but maybe join them in December, maybe miss the first couple months of the season. I don't know. I'd be shocked if LeBron retired. It just, I I don't see it. But he's got everybody on their toes because now everybody, this is going to be the lead story for the next two or three days, is, is this the end of LeBron? Is he retiring? I don't see it. The guy just went out. Look at what he did last night on a bad foot. Look what he did in this series. Look at what he did all playoffs on a bad foot. So I, I, I just I don't think he's going out like this. Tonight, I fully expect the Miami Heat to put away the Boston Celtics. Why wouldn't they? The Boston Celtics quit in game three. They might have some fire for a quarter, maybe uh, a quarter and a half, maybe even two quarters. They'll play well tonight, but don't count on it. Did you see what Malcolm Brogdon said? after their loss to Miami in game three. He said, we haven't been consistently great defensively all year long, and that was the team's identity last year. I think that slipped away from us. We've had spurts we've been great defensively, but not consistently. And honestly, we've struggled in every series we've played. So now we're playing a team that's playing as if they're the best team in the league, and they're just incredibly disciplined, incredibly consistent. And I think we've struggled with teams that are consistent on a possession-by-possession basis every night. This coupled with their head coach saying, when asked if he thinks he's lost the team, said, yeah, and I got to figure out a way to get it back. Yesterday I said, don't be surprised if Joe Mazzulla loses his job. I think it's a foregone conclusion he's going to lose his job. Even if the Celtics win tonight and force a game five and then losing five or losing six, you know, with the Lakers losing last night, Teams that are up 3-0 in a playoff series are now 150-0 in winning that series. And once Miami closes out this series, whenever it may be, it's going to be 151-0. It's just too hard to come back. I see the only way I can see a team coming back in the NBA from a 3-0 deficit is if the other team's best player gets hurt at the end of game three and is out for the rest of the series. Then that changes, and the team that's down 3-0 doesn't have to deal with the other team's best player. But anything that doesn't involve an injury, there's a reason it's never happened uh, in the history of the NBA. If you lose your first three games, it's very hard to just win four in a row after that. It's never happened. Hell, it doesn't happen very often in sports, period. In baseball, what does it happen? Once? With the Red Sox coming back on the Yankees? I, I can't tell you how many times it's happened in hockey, maybe a few more times because hockey, I, I don't think a lot, maybe two or three in hockey. I don't know. But you combine it, baseball, basketball, hockey, seven-game series, you're down 3-0, it's over. It's just a matter of when you want to go home. And the Lakers give a great effort. I, I knew that they, would, they weren't going to get blitzed. I knew they were going to give a good effort. I did not think LeBron would put up 31 and a half and be up 15, but – it just went to show that they almost kind of 
I don't know, shot their load in the first half, <laughs> up 15. LeBron had 31. They're shooting 56% from the field, and then they drop a 16-point third quarter and get outscored by 20. And while they did tie it up and they did have a chance to tie or win it in the last four seconds of the game, we saw what happened. But Miami is going to win tonight's game. I don't think Boston has anything left. If they do, great, you push a game five. But the NBA Finals start on June 1st. Like, that is crazy to think because I don't think a lot of people, and I don't think the NBA thought, because it's never happened in the history of the NBA since they've gone to this format where the Eastern Conference and Western Conference Finals both ended up in sweeps. That can become a reality tonight if Miami wins. So Miami wins tonight on May 23rd. The NBA Finals don't start till June 1st, next Thursday. So Denver will have 10 days off and Miami will have nine? Yeah. I mean, that is crazy. Well, that means I'm going to be, oh, I'll be in Vegas for the uh, first game of the NBA Finals. Oh, shit, and the second game because second game is Sunday the 4th. So, I mean, it's just the NBA purists are going to hate, or actually the purists are going to love the NBA Finals because Jimmy Butler or Nikola Jokic is getting a ring. And just from a pure basketball standpoint, this is going to be such a fun matchup. But to the average fan, do they care about Denver and Miami in the NBA Finals? No, they don't. The ratings are going to be terrible. I can tell you that right now. But I don't care. I'm a basketball fan. I love the fact that, you know, would I have liked to have seen the Lakers in the finals? Of course. But I enjoy basketball. I love basketball at its purest. And watching Miami and Denver, I think, is going to be a hell of a series because there's so many different matchups that I'm just wondering about. How is Miami going to defend Nikola Jokic. Denver is so much bigger than Miami. Is this Miami team just going to will themselves to a championship when it doesn't seem like they have the roster to do so, even though they are just destroying teams for three rounds? Off the top of my head, without giving it too much thought, I think Denver is just too big for them. But I, I just can't sit here and be like, no way can Miami win. I'll never say that against this Miami team. Look at what they've done for three rounds. People can talk all they want about round one against Milwaukee. The bottom line was Milwaukee won one game out of five in that first round series. And in the one game they won, they didn't have Giannis. So don't tell me, oh, well, they had Giannis, they would have beat Miami. Um, no. Every game that Giannis played in, they lost. So Miami was just a better team, period. We all underestimated them. Nobody saw this coming. If anybody does, shit, I don't even think Miami Heat fans knew this was coming and thought they were this good. Why would they? They were 44-38 and 38 during the regular season. Just goes to show, man, it's going to be very hard to talk about the NBA during the regular season any year going forward after what we saw this year in the playoffs. Truly. I'll save my baseball statistic on the Texas Rangers for tomorrow. It's a gambling statistic, but it is so <laughs> – it, it, it's, it's really crazy and could have won you a lot of money if you had the wherewithal to think about possibly betting them in a certain situation for the last seven weeks. But anyway, get to that tomorrow. What I am going to talk about today to end this is the NFL came out yesterday and said, 
you know what? We will flex games on Thursday night football if we have to. So what that means is as you get towards the end of the season for Sunday night football, I, I'm sure you are aware of this or whatever, but you notice that sometimes you know, the schedule comes out, and we know all the Sunday night games right now for the 2023-2024 season. But in the last five weeks of the season, you're able to flex games, meaning if the game on the schedule, because they're putting it out right now, we already know what the teams are that are playing, if those teams just have a bad record come that game and they don't want to show it on Sunday night football since that's the biggest game of the week, the highest-rated game every week in the NFL, they can switch out an afternoon game or a, a game that's scheduled for 12 o'clock or a game that's scheduled for 325 Central Time and switch it out. they got to give them two weeks' notice and take that Sunday night game and put it back in the daytime. They are also allowing that for Monday night football this year. That's the first time they've done it for Monday night football. And yesterday they announced, you know what, we're also going to allow it for Thursday night football, but for Thursday night you need to give them a month's notice because you're now telling a team, no, you're not going from a Sunday afternoon game to a Sunday night game. You are now going from a Sunday game to a Thursday game, meaning assuming they played the Sunday before, that means you have a three-day you only have three days off. So right now, and you can only do it in the last five weeks of the season. So right now, the last five Thursday night games of the season are this. In week 13, Seahawks at Cowboys. I can tell you right now that's not getting flexed. Any Dallas Cowboy game that's on a Thursday night, Monday night, or Sunday night is never getting flexed unless they're literally, you know, 1-12 and 12 up at that point and the Seahawks are, you know, 4 and whatever, 8. I, that. That's the only way it's getting flexed. If they're halfway decent, they're not taking the Cowboys off national telev- uh, national television. Patriots at Steelers, probably not going to get flexed. Chargers at Raiders, that could get flexed. Saints at Rams, Week 16, probably has the best possibility of getting flexed. And the Week 17, Jets at Cleveland, that probably has a good chance of getting flexed only because, well, Week 17, a lot of teams might be playing the string out and they might not have they might already be out of the playoffs if the Jets and Browns are both out of the playoffs come week 17 and don't have a chance to get in that game is getting flexed so those are the five that have the ability to get flexed on Thursday night no team can play two Thursday night road games so you have to take that into consideration but man the NFL is just it's going to be so all over the board this year you're going to have games on Amazon Prime on CBS, on Fox, on the NFL Network, on ESPN, on NBC. I mean, and then the the one game that's going to be exclusive on Peacock, the Black Friday game, which is Jets-Dolphins. Oh, no, sorry, that the Black Friday game is, um, I'm sorry, the exclusive game on Peacock is the first round of uh, the wildcard round, the Saturday night game when the wildcard playoffs start. That game's on Peacock. So that's what? eight different networks or streaming services that are showing NFL games this year. It is crazy. It's not for your father's. It's not your father's NFL anymore because they are probably going to be struggling to find where the games are. Shit. I follow the NFL on a daily basis and I'm going to be confused on when the games are airing and what station it's on. So take that in consideration. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. Please rate, subscribe and review in Apple Podcasts. Pass this along to your friends. Please let them know about the Sports Daily. I'm really enjoying doing this. I want as many people to join in and listen as possible. So thanks again for listening. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television.